Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by studying the Word of God, which is what we're talking about tonight, and especially focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how they served the Lord, to follow their example, to do what they did, shaking the world one last time before the return of the King. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain that world-shaking influence. We do it by digging deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We take it as it was intended, and we find the church that the Lord created and not the man-made one. The church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. Well, if you know that, if you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and you want more, welcome. Join us on our journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, visit FirefallTalkRadio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you want to support us, and we appreciate each and every one of you that do, in the bottom of the Firefall Talk Radio homepage, there are ways to do that. If you need more information, just ask. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe so that you know and when a new Bible study or porch light or whatever goes up, New Testament, whatever it is, we're going to get back into the groove on that. But the one thing we never stop is the Bible studies. The Word of God's too important. Yours too important. You need prayer? You want to pray for others? Reach out. Let us know. Father, we come to you right now with praise and prayer, and we come to you as your children. I personally praise you for my home, my wife, my family, my furry kids and possessions. I praise you, Father, for your protection over us and your love for us. I praise you for this ministry that you've allowed me to work for you. I praise you for the dreams and the visions, for the healing virtues, for, hey, for the ability to praise you, to be a renewed person, transformed. I praise you for the signs of the times and that you're telling us, get ready, I'm coming back. Creation's already groaning for the return of the king. So we are excited and praise you for the coming kingdom in the new Jerusalem. But that means we have to pray, first of all, for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, and those that have been martyred for their faith in you. For divine wholeness, health, and healing. For me, for my, my wife, for my family, for each and every one of you. Let's get back to our divine design. To be healed right now. For everything that's been done to us, that we've done to ourselves, that's been passed down to us, I know that we will get that new body someday, and right now the only thing transformed and redeemed is our spirit, man. But I'm asking for healing from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet so that we can go do what we've been called to do. Praying for the remnant. That's you. That's me. To wake up, rise up. Let's answer the call to action. 
Let's do what the Spirit says do when he says do it. To be able to bless others. To be a blessing. One can put a thousand to flight. Just think what our combined prayers can do. We could topple mountains. We could shake things. We could set the captives free. We can shine light into the darkness and push it away. I pray for protection over me and all that I have, my team, and I pray for angelic covering and that Psalm 91 promise that he made to us to to be active. The enemy knows the time. I wish the body did, but the enemy does, and it's preparing for it. Well, we must too, and we do that by taking a stand. We do that by getting into the Word. We do that by getting filled with the Spirit. Praying for edification and encouragement, inspiration, talking about that tonight too, that we can bring the knowledge of God out there, that we can operate efficiently in the calling, exposing the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the technology. We thank you for all these things. Watch over it. Let your spirit flow tonight because it is time, brothers and sisters. It is time to move in our destiny to glorify him so that when it's all over, we'll know that we've done it all, that he wanted done. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Get your Bibles open. Hope you have one. You need one. Tangible in your hand Bible. You can follow along on your apps and your iPads or tablets or whatever, but you need a Bible in your hand. Hebrews 4.12, a lot of scripture tonight, so you're going to want to follow along, maybe download this. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is, the discern- is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jeremiah 23.29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? It's living, it's powerful, it's sharp, it burns, and it breaks things down. It changes us so that we can become what he needs us to be what he needs us to be for the world. Second Peter 1, starting verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 
knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. Do well to pay close attention. The lamp shining in a dark place. When the day dawns and the light breaks through the gloom, the morning star rises in your heart. But understand this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of or comes from one's own personal or special interpretation. There's a lot of preachers and teachers online, especially on YouTube, that need to read the Scripture. For no prophecy ever was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. God spoke. A divine supernatural element. The Spirit moved. And we become lamps shining in a dark place. Well, it's dark right now. It's dark in the world. It's dark in our nation. Everywhere we go, I've noticed the shift. Places that we used to go to that were bright and comfortable and cheery. They aren't that way anymore. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to do it by the book, first of all. And we have to do it in the love and power of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit and by the book. The book. Not somebody else's book. The book. 66 books. 40 authors written over 1,600 years. 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent, Paul's telling Timothy, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth is the word of God. Study. Do your best to present yourself to God, approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the Word of God. You become tested by trial. I remember, got saved in October of 1988, moved to Florida, Tallahassee, Florida, in January of 1990, immediately got put to work, if you call it work, by Pastor Shelley. And within a short period of time, I was teaching Bible studies specific to my area of knowledge at that time. But the truth was, I really wasn't ready to do that. Well, I had studied two years alone in an apartment in New York, studying the Word every day, reading five books a week, praying, analyzing, uh, calling up Shelley at all hours of the night, asking for clarification. I was eating. I was consuming the Word. But still, you got to be tested by trial. And I look back on some of my teachings, and I cringe. Spirit covered for me, but I look back on it now and went, you know, it's like you you made the coffee a little bitter, a little too strong. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of that. But we see in the Word, and now I thought, thought about this today. I was working on this, and I want you to get this. I want you to become hungry for the Word, to become, to desire it so much it's always there. It's on your table. It's on your desk. You take it with you. 
And I again, I know you have the app, but there's something powerful about being out in the public, a restaurant, a hotel, an airport, on the airplane, pulling out that Bible and opening it up and reading and marking and studying. I've, from all my security days, I have good peripheral vision. I can see almost completely to the side, and I always watch people. They look. They check it out. They keep looking. They want to see, is it, you know, am I really, no, I'm really doing it. But see, in the Word, in the Bible, it tells us His will. It it guides us. Psalm one nineteen one hundred five. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. And that lamp to your feet. It's not feet. It's not halogens. We see way down the road. It's right there, one foot in front of the other, and that's what the Word does for you. It guides you into the step by step, day by day walk. A lamp to guide us on a dark and narrow road. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. How do you find it? You get saved, you get healed, you get delivered, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, but you find it with that lamp to your feet. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. One of my daily prayers is, Lord, be a shield about us, a glory and a lifter of our head. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him because his word is pure. That word pure means uh, like in gold or silver. It's free from dross or junk or, or matter that doesn't belong in there. It's flawless. It's perfection. Psalm 12, verse 6, The word words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Seven, the number of perfection. That word of God is perfectly pure. And it does the same for you if you're willing to get in the flame. Oh, I know. People don't want to read it. It challenges them. It challenges their thinking. It challenges their way of life. I know I can tell you this. I've shared it before. I was born and raised a Roman Catholic in New York. Catholic because I was Italian. But I'd never read the Bible. I read the little snippets they let us read. But even before I got saved, I went down to visit Deb and Jesse and Chris, and she snuck a Bible in my suitcase. I started reading it, and I started realizing, wait a second, I've never heard this before. And I I asked to get a bigger copy because it got me a little, you know, hand one that I uh, keep next to the bed. I wanted to read it because I'm starting to realize as I'm turning page to page and reading stuff, wait wait a second here. That wasn't what I was told. I was lied to. And it began to enlighten and open my eyes. And, and even though I was not born again yet, I was starting to see something. This is pure 
and I want more. A.W. Tozer says the Word of God, well understood and religiously obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. And I, you know, those daily devotions are great. To a point. For me, that's just nibbling. That's not breakfast. That'd be like making a toast and and fruit and the eggs and just taking a little nibble and walking away. No, I need the whole meal. You see, his word is dynamic, dunamis, Holy Spirit-powered. It's effective. It does what it says it will do. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It's water, it's life, it's bread. You want to know the will of God? Get in the Word of God. If it's in there, He said it and He means it. And He's chosen people, He chooses people who would do the same. Everywhere from Genesis to Revelation, everyone who served Him understood the importance of his word. They understood the importance, and they didn't have a Bible. Remember that. We are so lucky and probably lazy. They had scrolls. They had sections. They had letters that they passed around and copied by hand. They didn't have this little compilation of the 66 books with a nice cover and concordance and, and, you know, the red letters to help them out. They didn't have little tabs on the side. They had to work at it. Even in Yeshua, he talks about the Word, him being the Word, but he talks about it. And the appeal was always to the Scriptures. And the Word of God was final to him, Matthew 19, starting with Verse 3, the Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he, he being Yeshua, answered and said to them, Have you not read that he made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife? And the two shall become one flesh. Stop. Right there, verse 4 and 5. Yeshua said that, not me. Male and female, husband and wife. He said that. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, here are the Pharisees. Man. They're supposed to be the top dogs. They're supposed to be the, they were created during the time of Judah Maccabee to bring the people back to the Word. And what does he say? Have you not read? 
jumping down to Matthew 22, starting verse 23. Now the Sadducees are going to test him. The same day the Sadducees, who, who say there is no resurrection, they don't believe in the supernatural. Wow, we have whole denominations of Sadducees. There's no resurrection came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offering for offspring for his brother. Now there were there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, having no offspring, left his wife to his brother, and likewise second and third, and even to the seventh. Then last the woman died. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. <laughs> you just have to laugh at their stupidity. Anyway, Yeshua answered and said to them, You are mistaken not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Ooh, he took a slap at their not believing in the supernatural. You're mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. There's a lot of people out there. I just want to say, have you not read? Do you even know what you're talking about? And more and more, especially in the charismatic, spiritual, I see warfare world. I see people that have built huge followings. They're obviously making some money because they can afford plastic surgery and things like that. But I, want, I read their stuff and I go, this isn't right. This doesn't line up with the word. And they've got thousands of people eating it up. Eating up what they serve instead of noticing, you know what, this don't taste right. It's missing some ingredients. Yeah, like the truth. Prophecies in the Psalms, they were filled, fulfilled in Yeshua. Luke 18, starting verse 31. And he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were spoken. He's speaking prophecy. He's speaking scriptures. If you don't know the scriptures, you're not going to know what he's talking about. Let me say that again. If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't know the word, not only will you not know what he's talking about, you'll easily be fooled by the counterfeit teachings and those that maybe not trying to be false teachers have changed the recipe a little bit. When you know the word and the word is in you and the spirit's there to reveal it to you, you will immediately know what's out of order in the scripture that pertains to that mistake. 
even in Luke 4 and the temptation of, of Yeshua in the, in the wilderness by Asatan. Yeshua, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil, he returned from being baptized by his cousin John. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Yeah, you'd be hungry and weak after 40 days without food. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Yeshua answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Woo! Take that, Satan, in your eye. Yeah. Porcupine. It is written. Now, and what's interesting, Satan doesn't miss a beat. He goes on to the next temptation. Why? Because he knows what's written. He was there when it was written. That's the other reason why you need to know the Word of God. The enemy knows it. Mark 7, starting verse 5, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, Well, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the watching of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, it's a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God no effect through your tradition, which you've handed down, and many such things you do. Folks, we're seeing this in the church today. Denominational rules and traditions have superseded the Word of God. Oh, we're seeker-friendly, brother. We don't, we don't talk about that stuff. We want to coexist with all religions. I don't. I don't mind the Jews because the, it's the same God. But no, no, I'm not going to coexist with anybody. I'll treat them respectfully. I'll treat them with love. But I'll treat them from the perspective that Yeshua is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's the only way to the Father. And I can't coexist with religions that want to kill me or destroy me or keep me from saying what I believe publicly. See, Paul, the apostle Paul, knew the word. He was Saul. He studied under Gamaliel. He called the scriptures in Romans 3, 2, the oracles of God. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, he said they are God-inspired. 2 Timothy 3, starting verse 12. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But you must continue in all things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Messiah Yeshua. It's all about salvation. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and the, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, equipped, I'm sorry, swallowed that cue, it'll pop out later, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration. It's profitable for instruction for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. God breathed, divinely inspired. That's what that inspired, inspiration, according to International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, is a word round which many debates have gathered. If, however, what has been said is true of the Bible is the record record of a progressive revelation, not progressive in politics or beliefs, but a revelation that continued to come, of its contents as the discovery of the will of God for man's salvation, of the prophetic and apostolic standing of its writers, of the unity of spirit and purpose that pervades it, it will be difficult to deny that a quite peculiar presence, operation, and guidance by the Spirit of God are manifest in its production. The belief in inspiration, as has been seen, is implied in the formation of these books into a sacred canon. D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, said, I know the Bible is inspired because it inspires me. That American word for inspire, it's a verb, to affect, to guide, to arouse by divine influence, to fill with enlivening or exalting emotion, to stimulate to action, to motivate, synonym, cinnamon, not cinnamon, Richard, synonym, doesn't taste like cinnamon. It's a synonym means to encourage. Inspired. Living, breathing, moving. I've mentioned this, and I love when it happens. I'll be reading a scripture that I've read a hundred, maybe a thousand times, and all of a sudden it becomes three-dimensional, and I see something I never saw before. Because it was time for the revelation. I, I could build that onto other revelation. And it happens all the time. Because his word is alive. The word of God is living and powerful. That's what Hebrews 4.12 says. And if it's filled with the spirit. We must cherish it. We must take care of it. We must handle the word with integrity and honor, and I get deeply offended by people who do not do that. 
and I don't mean the tangible Bible. I've, you know, I've done this before. I've held up my Bible. Say, this is just the printed word of the living word, and I've taken that Bible and dropped it to the ground. And you can always tell religious people they go, I go, folks, printed paper, dead trees. If that's real leather, it's from an animal. The word is inside of me. The word is him. So don't get caught up in the icon of the Bible. Get caught up in the reality of the word and the spirit behind it. But we must handle it. We must present it. We must offer it with honor and integrity. Second Corinthians 2.17. Paul says, for we are, we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, as from God, we speak in the sight of God and Messiah. Says basically the same thing, Second Corinthians four two. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There's so many shucksters and shysters and snake oil salesmen and people that have created a brand and they sell the word and they sell their products. I don't get it. How do you not have conviction? Well, brother, I got to pay my bills. Well, that's fine and good, but you have just done exactly what Paul said don't do. You're peddling the word of God, you're peddling the gifts, you're pandering. For twenty nine ninety five, I'll take you on a street journey to the third heaven. Get out of here, go away, and take your take your your money with you. We need somebody to overturn the tables and clean out the temple. Peter Peter saw the purifying power of the truth of God's words. First Peter one, starting verse twenty two. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because, and then he quotes, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel, which by the gospel was preached to you. Wait a second, where does that come from, Peter? Well, he's quoting Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8. And the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Peter, the former fisherman, is quoting from Isaiah. Because the word, both the rhema and the logos, is inside of him. He walked with the word. He heard the word. Now he lives it. You can have that if you want it, if you don't already. 
That's what this was all about. That's what these Bible studies are about, for you to live it and breathe it and walk with it and and to be able to feed somebody, to be able to tell them the truth and love, to be able to show them the scriptures, to set them free. Conversation the other day with a uh, person seeking the Lord. And as we were talking, the Holy Spirit began to bring the scriptures that pertained to his questions or what he was thinking. And I wasn't saying, you know, chapter and verse. I was just speaking the word like Peter did there. Just speaking the word. It doesn't return void. Speak it out. That's what the covenant, the new covenant was about. The old covenant was the law. That that new agreement of grace is, is the New Testament. That's what the Lord said in Mark 14. Take, eat this, my body, this is the Lord's supper. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Why would he say that? Well, the remission of sins under the old covenant can only come by the shedding of blood. He was telling them, I'm about to shed my blood. And that's going to be the ink on this new document of a new covenant, of a new contract of grace that God's about to make with his people. Which was Messiah was always prophesied to bring. Well, where do we learn about these covenants? In the Word. You've got to go to Genesis. You've got to go to Deuteronomy. You have to go to Mount Sinai. You have to see what it took to write that word and what the people had to do to live up to the law, which they could never do, to understand Calvary, to understand this new agreement that God has made. And you know what's great about these these books? They didn't put them chronologically. There are times I think that they should have, but they did what the Spirit told them to do. They're arranged by type rather than in chronological order. First, you have the books of Moses and the law, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you get the history books about God's chosen people, Israel, from Joshua to Esther. Then you get the books of wisdom. Divine Wisdom, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Then you get the books of the prophets, from Isaiah to Malachi. And then from there, a space of 400 years picks right up, though, when we get to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then right after that, you've got the ascension, you have the resurrection and the ascension, and the church is born on the day of Pentecost. So we get to the Acts of the Apostles, the history of the early church. And then after that, we get Paul's seven letters to the various churches Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, 1st, and then 2 Thessalonians. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and Hebrews. Oh, by the way, there are other other letters from James. Peter wrote two. John wrote three. And then Jude, he wrote one. And how do we cap it all off? 
with the apocalypse, with Revelation, which the final culmination of getting everything back to the Garden of Eden, the complete story, Genesis to Revelation, God's restoration for man, God, humanity, sin, redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification, a story of grace, a story of glory, a story of salvation, a story of Yeshua, the Messiah. John F. Walvoord, a theologian and author on biblical prophecy, said, The Bible is God's declaratory revelation to man, containing the great truths about God, about man, about history, about salvation, and about prophecy that God wanted us to know. The Bible could be trusted just as much as if God had taken the pen and written those words himself. Am I stirring something up? I know I am. I want you know. I want to go sit down and crack open the book and yeah, you know, get excited about His Word. And I know many aren't. They just want to nibble. They just want a scripture. Uh, Richard, we want you to do it. Cook it up and feed us. I'm sorry, folks. From day one, and I have the original recording from day one on the porch, what I said would not happen is birds in a nest with their beaks open saying, feed me. No. Oh, I'll help you do that. I will feed you for a little while. But I want to get you strong enough that you can feed yourselves. The purpose of the gospel, especially John's gospel, we mentioned this last week, John 20, verses 30 through 31. And truly, Yeshua did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God. And believing that, you may have life in his name. I saw a video, somebody posted it, of some Jewish rabbi going off on the Bible, going off on the New Testament. He said it very sneeringly. The book of miracles and magic. And, you know, he just denigrated it. Didn't know what the heck he was talking about. Trying to say it couldn't possibly be true, and it's not very good anyway. That's what religion does. That's what that religious spirit does. And truthfully, I would like to say to him, really, I wouldn't waste my time, because that kind of person doesn't get revelation from me saying anything. They get it from the Holy Spirit. But how can you know him if you don't know the word? You're misquoting the New Testament. You're you're spinning it the way you need to spin it to say what you need to say. Taking things out of context, leaving things out. But how can you know him if you don't know the word? In Acts 8, when Philip is taken by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he runs up to him and hears him reading the prophet Isaiah and says, do you understand what you're reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Now understand this Ethiopian eunuch, who many believe served Queen Candace, had come to Jerusalem as a proselyte to go to the temple, couldn't get in, he was just on the outside, because he believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and read his word. But here he is reading his word, and he says, how can I understand it unless someone guides me? He asked Philip to come up with him, and the place in Scripture which he read is from Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip and said, I ask of you, whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? <laughs> then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Yeshua to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus the Messiah is the Son of God. All of that happened there in that chariot. And it was his moment. It was his moment of salvation. It was his moment of transformation. And so the Spirit sent Philip there, and the Spirit snatched him away because it wasn't about Philip. It was about the Lord. You know, every Friday night when we do Shabbat, one of the scriptures we read is from John 1. I love it. I visualize it. I see it. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about Yeshua. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without nothing, without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then jumping down to verse 17, John 1 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus the Messiah. See, the law had its purpose as a tutor. But one leads to the other. The old begins, the new completes. The old gathers on Mount Sinai, the new on Mount Calvary. The old associated, associated, that was easy for you to say, Rich. No, it wasn't. I had a little struggle. The old is associated with Moses, but the new with Messiah. See, that's completion from creation to the culmination of all things. The Word of God is living and alive. First John 1, starting verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus the Messiah. When you are sharing the gospel, when you are sharing your testimony, when you're speaking to people, you're not trying to convince them of anything. I do not believe people become born again because of their mind. I believe they become born again because of their heart. You confess with your mouth, yes. But it's when you believe in your heart that the transformation happens. So, please let the word of Messiah dwell richly, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians 3.16. So how do we do it? How do we do what we've been called to do? Well, we do it by the book. And we do it by the Spirit. A.W. Tozer says the Bible is a supernatural book and can be understood only by supernatural aid. You cannot understand this word without being born from above and having the Holy Spirit in you. You can't. Oh, you can memorize it. But you can't understand it. It won't make any sense to you. That's why the world doesn't get it. That's why they mock it. That's why they they do the things they do because they're ignorant. I was ignorant. As I said, until my eyes were opened, I thought that everything I had been taught and told in schools from first grade all the way through graduating university was the truth. It wasn't. It didn't line up with the Word of God at all. It was man-made lies meant to manipulate and deceive. You want to know the truth? Get in the Word. Stop taking other people's words for it. 2 Timothy 4, starting verse 1, Paul says, I charge you. He's speaking to Timothy, but I'm talking to you. I charge you, therefore, before God, And Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come, and I will add now is, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Live it out. Be it. Saw another story on YouTube. Somebody posted about a uh, Satanist who had gotten saved. 
And what had happened is he was being interviewed by somebody talking about why he believes in Satan and what he does and all that other stuff. And and he has the tattoos on his face and all that. And um, when the interview was over, the the woman interviewing him asked if she could hug him. That's all. She didn't preach. She didn't Bible thump him. She didn't say a word, but she said, can I hug you? And he said, sure, of course. Of course. <laughs> and he said, when she hugged me, I felt a love that I'd never felt before. And he said, I couldn't shake it. And that night I went to bed and I had a dream. And in that dream, I started to feel that love again. And, and there was a presence in the dream. And it was a man, and I realized it was Jesus. And he hugged me. And I felt that love. And he turned his back on Satanism and got born again. That lady didn't preach a word. She didn't say a thing. She was a living witness to the reality of Yeshua HaMashiach. She was an example of his love. That's the power. Oh, you can bind, you can loose, you can tear things down and cast things out. But it's his love is the power. That's what everybody desires, for that hole in their heart to be filled. The one they were born with and the one that was created as they grew up from parents or whoever. It was written. It's been spoken. Talking about the Word, this Bible. It's been written, it's been spoken, and it's been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, the creative power of the universe, what he used to speak everything into existence, including Hasatan and the fallen angels, to change us and to change the world. But how are they going to know if we don't tell them? And how are we going to tell them if we don't know the Word? See, if you get in the Word, like mentioned last week, if you just take a book a week and learn that book and you read it, you'll know where things are. You may not know chapter and verse, but you'll know where things are. You'll know who said it. You'll know where to look for it, which, with the help of the Holy Spirit, allows you to go there, to be ready in season and out. Because there are people out there that don't know the truth. They don't want the truth. They're not speaking the truth. But if you know it, you can share it, you can share it in love. And the, let the Lord do the rest. Please, please, please join me in doing it by the book. Setting the captives free. Doing what Yeshua and the book of Acts Church did telling the world about him because he's coming back and he's not coming back meekly or peacefully. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah and he's going to shake it all and he's going to tear it down. But until then, we have some people to save. We have some family members and loved ones and people that we care deeply about 
that we need to love into the kingdom. Father, Abba, you're awesome. You did all this for us. All this. You knew the story. You knew the end from the beginning, and then you wrote it all down so that we could follow it. You gave us a roadmap. You gave us a plan. Please, Holy Spirit, stir up the hunger within us. Help us to remember. Help us to absorb. Help us to grasp this. To get out there and find, first of all, the sheep that have wandered away. Let's go find them. Let's bring them back to where they can be fed. Let's go set the captives free. Bring the signs of the Messiah, confirming the word, not to draw attention to ourselves or to a ministry or to anything but Yeshua, confirming the word, destroying the work of the enemy. So that when it's all done, when it's all said and done, you'll know that you've said it all and you're done. So, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be that. And I pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord, may Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.